Long History, Francis Drake's Voyage About the World, Part 13, Oregon and California as Gods. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 13 of Long History's The Voyage About the World, a description of Francis Drake's famous voyage, which took place from the 15th of November 1577 to the 26th of September 1580. If this is your first time with Long History, we break up historic source documents into chunks of 10 minutes or so. These are eyewitness accounts of the events that took place. We've reached episode 13 of our Francis Drake document, so look out for episode 1 if you want to start from the beginning, and subscribe to be notified of the remaining 7 episodes to come. The text in our current series in the meantime was written by men who took part in Francis Drake's voyage, being created from the notes of Master Francis Fletcher, a preacher, and others. As the previous episode ended, Drake and his remaining crew were freezing in Oregon, having made their way from the southern tip of the Americas all the way up the western coast. Until this point, they had hoped to find a northern passage around the Americas. In this episode, however, Drake concludes that such a passage probably does not exist or is unnavigable. They are forced to head back south, reaching in this episode today's California, where they meet some of the local people. Here we have therefore some of the first ever written descriptions of the area, certainly by Europeans. This episode begins, however, with the men freezing in Oregon. In this place was no abiding for us, and, to go further north, the extremity of the cold, which had now utterly discouraged our men, would not permit us, and the winds, directly bent against us, having once gotten us under sail again, commanded us to the southward whether we would or no. From the height of 48 degrees, in which we now were, to 38, we found the land, by coasting alongst it, to be but low and reasonable plain. Every hill, whereof we saw many, but none very high, though it were in June and the sun in his nearest approach unto them, being covered with snow. In 38 degrees 30 minutes, we fell with a convenient and fit harbour, and June the 17th came to anchor therein, where we continued till the 23rd day of July following. During all which time, notwithstanding it was the height of summer and so near the sun, yet were we continually visited with the like nipping colds as we had felt before, insomuch that, if violent exercises of our bodies and busy employment about our necessary labours had not sometimes compelled us to the contrary, we could very well have been contented to have kept about us still our winter clothes. Yea, had our necessities suffered us to have kept our beds. Neither could we at any time in the whole fourteen days together find the air so clear as to be able to take the height of sun or star. And here, having so fit occasion, notwithstanding it may seem to be besides the purpose of writing the history of this our voyage, we will, a little more diligently, inquire into the causes of the continuance of the extreme cold in these parts, as also into the probabilities or unlikelihoods of a passage to be found that way. Neither was it, as it hath formerly been touched, the tenderness of our bodies, coming so lately out of the heat, whereby the pores were opened, that made us so sensible of the colds we here felt. In this respect, as in many others, we found our God a provident father and careful physician for us. We lacked no outward helps nor inward comforts to restore and fortify nature, had it been decayed or weakened in us. Neither was there wanting to us the great experience of our general, who had often himself proved the force of the burning zone. His advice always prevailed much to the preserving of a moderate temper in our constitutions so that, even after our departure from the heat, we always found our bodies not as sponges, but strong and hardened, more able to bear out cold, though we came out of excess heat, than a number of chamber champions could have been, who lie on their feather beds till they go out to sea, or rather, 
whose teeth in a temperate air do beat in their head at a cup of cold sack and sugar by the fire. And that it was not our tenderness, but the very extremity of the cold itself that caused this sensibleness in us, may the rather appear in that the natural inhabitants of the place, with whom we had for a long season familiar intercourse, as is to be related, who had never been acquainted with such heat, to whom the country, air and climate was proper, and in whom custom of cold was as it were a second nature, yet used to come shivering to us in their warm furs, crowding close together body to body, to receive heat one of another, and sheltering themselves under a lee bank, if it were possible, and as often as they could labouring to shroud themselves under our garments also to keep them warm. Besides, how unhandsome and deformed appeared the face of the earth itself, showing trees without leaves, and the ground without greenness in those months of June and July the poor birds and fowls not daring, as we had great experience to observe it, not daring so much as once to arise from their nests after the first egg laid, till it, with all the rest, be hatched and brought to some strength of nature, able to help itself. Only this recompense hath nature afforded them, that the heat of their own bodies being exceeding great, it perfecteth the creature with greater expedition, and in shorter time than is to be found in many places. As for the causes of this extremity, they seem not to be so deeply hidden but that they may, at least in part, be guessed at, the chiefest of which we conceive to be the large spreading of the Asian and American continent, which, somewhat northward of these parts, if they be not fully joined, yet seem they to come very near one to the other, from whose high and snow-covered mountains, the north and northwest winds, the constant visitants of those coasts, send abroad their frozen nymphs, to the infecting the whole air with this insufferable sharpness not permitting the sun, no, not in the pride of his heat, to dissolve that congealed matter and snow, which they have breathed out so, neither sun, and so many degrees distant from themselves, and that the north and northwest winds are here constant in June and July, as the north wind alone is in August and September, we not only found it by our own experience, but were fully confirmed in the opinion thereof by the continued observations of the Spaniards. Hence comes the general squalidness and barrenness of the country. Hence comes it, that in the midst of their summer, the snow hardly departeth even from their very doors, but is never taken away from their hills at all. Hence come those thick mists and most stinking fogs, which increase so much the more by how much higher the pole is raised, wherein a blind pilot is as good as the best director of a course. For the sun, striving to perform his natural office, in elevating the vapours out of these inferior bodies, draweth necessarily abundance of moisture out of the sea but the nipping cold from the former causes, meeting and opposing the sun's endeavour, forces him to give over his work imperfect, and instead of higher elevation, to leave in the lowest region, wandering upon the face of the earth and waters, as it were a second sea, through which its own beams cannot possibly pierce, unless sometimes when the sudden violence of the winds doth help to scatter and break through it, which thing happeneth very seldom, and when it happeneth is of no continuance. Some of our mariners in this voyage had formerly been at Ward House in 72 degrees of north latitude, who yet affirmed that they felt no such nipping cold there in the end of summer, when they departed thence, as they did here in those hottest months of June and July. And also from these reasons we conjecture that either there is no passage at all through these northern coasts, which is most likely, or if there be, that yet it is unnavigable, and hereunto, that though we search the coast diligently, even unto forty-eight degrees, yet found we not the land to trend so much at one point in any place towards the east, 
but rather running on continually northwest, as if it went directly to meet with Asia. And even in that height, when we had a frank wind to have carried us through, had there been a passage, yet we had a smooth and calm sea, with ordinary flowing and reflowing, which could not have been had there been a fret, of which we rather infallibly concluded than conjectured that there was none. But to return. The next day, after our coming to anchor in the aforesaid harbour, the people of the country showed themselves, sending off a man with great expedition to us in a canoe, who, being yet but a little from the shore, and a great way from our ship, spake to us continually as he came rowing on, and at last, at a reasonable distance staying himself, he began more solemnly a long and tedious oration after his manner, using in the delivery thereof many gestures and signs, moving his hands, turning his head and body many ways, and after his oration ended, with great show of reverence and submission, returned back to shore again. He shortly came again the second time in the like manner, and so the third time, when he brought with him, as a present from the rest, a bunch of feathers, much like the feathers of a black crow, very neatly and artificially gathered upon a string and drawn together into a round bundle, being very clean and finely cut, and bearing in length an equal proportion one with another, a special cognizance, as we afterwards observed, which they that guard their king's person wear on their heads. With this also he brought a little basket made of rushes, and filled it with an herb which they called tabah, both which, being tied to a short rod, he cast into our boat. Our general intended to have recompensed him immediately with many good things he would have bestowed on him, but, entering into the boat to deliver the same, he could not be drawn to receive them by any means, save one hat, which, being cast into the water out of the ship, he took up, refusing utterly to meddle with any other thing, though it were upon a board put off unto him, and so presently made his return, after which time our boat could row no way, but wondering at us as at gods, they would follow the same with admiration. The third day following, viz. the 21st, our ship, having received a leak at sea, was brought to anchor near the shore, that, her goods being landed, she might be repaired. But, for that we were to prevent any danger that might chance against our safety, our general, first of all, landed his men, with all necessary provision, to build tents and make a fort of the defence of ourselves and goods and that we might, under the shelter of it with more safety, whatever should befall, end our business. Which, when the people of the country perceived us doing, as men set on fire to war in defence of their country, in great haste and companies, with such weapons as they had, they came down unto us, and yet with no hostile meaning or intent to hurt us, standing, when they drew near, as men ravished in their minds, with the sight of such things as they never had seen or heard of before that time. Their errand, being rather with submission and fear to worship us as gods than to have any war with us as with mortal men, which thing, as it did partly show itself at that instant, so did it more and more manifest itself afterwards, during the whole time of our abode amongst them. At this time, being willed by signs to lay from them their bows and arrows, they did as they were directed, and so did all the rest, as they came more and more by companies unto them, growing in a little while to a great number, both of men and women. To the intent, therefore, that this peace which they themselves so willingly sought might, without any cause of the breach thereof on our part given, be continued, and that we might with more safety and expedition end our business in quiet, our general, with all his company, used all means possible gently to entreat them, bestowing upon each of them liberally good and necessary things to cover their nakedness, withal, signifying unto them, 
We were no gods but men, and had need of such things to cover our own shame, teaching them to use them to the same ends, for which cause also we did eat and drink in their presence, giving them to understand that without that we could not live, and therefore were but men as well as they. Notwithstanding nothing could persuade them, nor remove that opinion which they had conceived of us, that we should be gods. The events in this section take place between the 17th and the 23rd of June 1579. Drake and his crew reach a bay today known as Drake's Bay, which is to the north of today's San Francisco. The Englishmen think that the local people think they are gods. In the meantime, their ship needs some repairs. In the next episode, the Englishmen spend more time with these local people, eventually meeting their king.